Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your Raptors postgame show. We just watched game one, Raptors versus Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia. My name is Iman. And I'm joined by Asad. Asad, what is up? Uh, not much, really. Just uh, more or less everything down. Uh, that was a pretty brutal first game. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a pretty brutal first game. Right away with those two quick fouls on Fred VanVleet. Uh, was that the quickest you've ever seen Fred VanVleet get two fouls? Uh, it was. It was interesting because it's like the first play of the game. Fred gets a touch foul guarding Maxi. That's like Maxi. Usually when refs, it's like if a player um, if a player falls down or something, even if it's incidental contact, they're called a foul just because there's like significant advantage gained for the defense. But Maxi like recovered very quickly and they still called a foul. I'm like, well, this is going to be an interesting night if that's the whistle that's going to happen. And then we kind of only got that whistle one way. So uh, it, uh, it's a fun, fun night for sure with the whistle at the minimum. It certainly was. It certainly was. We both we had both Fred Van Vliet and Chris Boucher fouling out of a game. I don't remember the last time. I don't think I've ever seen Fred Van Vliet foul out a game, let alone have the Raptors have two guys uh, fouling out. So it was very strange. I feel watching this game felt like watching another team. It didn't feel like the Raptors. Everything that the Raptors excelled at, they didn't do. And some of the things that the Raptors have struggled at <laughs> over the, the course of the season, they actually did fairly well. And I know that people may be a little doom and gloom after a loss, but I thought we would look at the good, the bad, and the ugly because there was some good to take away from a game like this. So I said, let me ask you, let's focus in on that first half Maybe. What were some good takeaways you had in that game? Uh, well, I think the, the only real good that you can take away is like it for the Raptors' main core guys, it didn't seem like offensively. I think they had it all night. Again, the offense wasn't really as much of a problem for the Raptors compared to what was thought to going to be. For a game where you don't turn the other team over and you don't get any offensive rebounds, for the Raptors to show, end up shooting – like near 50% from the floor, 40% from three, like that's as good as an offensive night you're going to get. Like really offensively, I didn't think it was too much of a problem, but like that, that first, like that was probably the best that you could see from it. I think some of the issues ended up lining in. It's like, I know Nick Nurse said before the game, one of the things they were looking for was to uh, limit Embiid's touches. Well, the Sixers did a great job of limiting Pascal's touches. Pascal, um, a lot of time ended up off ball. If he was getting on ball, it was late in the clock. Um, it was tough. Like, while he was efficient in all of his looks, it just wasn't getting as many looks. Um, but I think really, like, in the first half, you're looking for anything. It was like, all right, well, offensively, when the Raptors actually set themselves, they were fine. Really, the entirety of the difficulties came on defense, where I think you can basically say the entire night just comes down to the Raptors' defense never getting set. Um, and we can talk about that more like if we'd like. 
<laughs> we get into the bad and the ugly. No, I, I definitely agree with you uh, on the offensive end. You, you mentioned it near 50% from the floor, 40% from deep. One thing that I would um, mention just about the Pascal thing, because I thought you hit the nail on the head. They really did limit his touches in that first half. Pascal had five field goal attempts. Prestichua had five field goal attempts. That's what we were dealing with there, right? You um, you never want Precious to have as many looks as as Pascal, um, as many chances. And and one of the things that I'll say about the offense there, because I, I did think that they played a fairly good offensive game, all things considered. They shot the ball well at the very least, which is something that the Raptors have struggled at doing. But where the Raptors struggled in their offense is they weren't getting looks in the way that they normally do. The Raptors are an elite transition offense. They weren't getting very many transition points. And we can get into why when we talk about some of the bad and the ugly there. But the second thing is those second chance opportunities. They just were not there for the Raptors. How do you think the Sixers, um, what do you think the Sixers really did to, to limit the Raptors from, from grabbing those offensive boards that they get so regularly? Well, listen, like we t- talk a lot about um... – Glenn Rivers um, being not the best playoff coach, but the one thing Glenn is good at um, is at the minimum, he can get a good set plan. So he's good at coaching to a plan. They had a whole week and clearly the Sixers came out of a team that knew what their plan against the Raptors was going to be. They were gang rebounding every single miss where if you look at the things shot goes up, Joel Embiid is not over contesting. He's turning, sealing his man. And then, there's three other Sixers jerseys in the paint ready to get a rebound. They're not, they weren't leaking out. Really the only person who was in charge of leaking out was Tyrese Maxey. And that's fine um, if that happens. But again, the Raptors are getting kind of unlucky. They had a lot of long misses um, that were falling into Sixers hands. They weren't really getting into good offensive rebound position. Um, I think also they were kind of built like when the offense worked, it worked well, but they had a lot of offensive possessions. Like they shot well when they got shots up. But the the shots that they missed were coming in bad spots of the floor. So it was leading to break opportunities for the Sixers or where the Raptors are out of position where somebody's driving and is out of the play and the Sixers are now going back five on four. And that really opened up the Sixers transition game. And the Sixers were very good at making sure to attack early in the transition um, to get up, up the floor and get the Raptors a bit scrambled. I think one of the things that we noticed in this game that we haven't seen the other matchups is this was the one game where the Raptors had both Fred and Gary Trent and as good as defensively as they can be. And Gary Trent was not good defensively tonight, but even at their best, the one thing that that does is just in terms of the Raptors size, it makes the Raptors a smaller team. And in all the matches that we've had with Philly before the Raptors were playing with only one of them. So they were lining up four bigs. And I think that really helped the Raptors um, in terms of being able to be more switchable, be able to cut down transition a bit more, just because it gives you a little bit more margin of error because you have more size out there. And I think the Sixers took advantage of that. They were sealing Tobias down low on Fred, which also Fred two early fouls. Basically, that entire first half is, I think, the most passive I've seen Fred VanVleet play on defense because he just could not do any of the stuff that he likes to do, which is digging in on the balls, making contests on people's hands to get those strips. And you could see that because the first play of the third, the third quarter, he goes and he just strips the ball out of Tobias Harris's hands in the post, like like violent strip. And that's where it's like, oh, well, he doesn't have foul trouble anymore. And I think that kind of really saddled Fred, where he's like, he stayed in foul trouble and to kind of cut down his defensive abilities. But yeah, the Sixers did a really good job of making sure that they got on the defensive glass. The Raptors basically got no offensive rebounds the entire night. I think they had, what, three for the night or something like that. Um, it was fairly ugly. And if the Raptors don't have that, they can't really press their advantage. The Sixers shot more shots today. Um, and the Raptors aren't really going to win if the Sixers are going to shoot more shots. 
but even then, for the Raptors' offense to be as efficient as it was tonight, the fact that Philly was able to like, I don't think this tonight is representative of what Philly's offense can do normally against this Raptors team when their defense is actually in play. I think in the half court, especially in the first half and the first quarter, um, there was a lot of ball watching off ball. So a lot of shooters getting loose one pass away or just like quick one, two swing away. And that can't really happen. Like you have to be a bit more locked in to start out the gate. And I think we saw the nerves hit, whether it was GTJ not really being there. Um, Precious didn't have a very good first half at all, especially either defensively or offensively, but especially defensively, I think Precious was kind of all over the place. He's letting Joel get very deep position on him. Yeah. Uh, another thing that hurts, Ken Birch, first play of the game on Joel Embiid gets elbowed in the face and gets clocked out, basically taken out of the game, throws your entire rotation out, right? So now you got Fred Van Vliet in foul trouble. You got Ken Birch out a minute into like 10 seconds into the play. And yeah. I was like, oh, your entire first half rotation is completely out of whack. So instead of bringing um, Boucher and Precious in together, like Nick Nurse likes to do to change the speed of the game, now you don't get to do that, right? Um, so a little bit of bad luck there, but all in all, I think the Raptors just first half, they weren't defensively set. And then you saw that in the third quarter, the first half of the third quarter, they really set themselves defensively when they had that unit. It was OG, Pascal, Precious, Fred, and um, Scotty. Scott, yeah. And that was... Again, you got four big dudes and one small, right? And suddenly the Raptors defense starts working a little bit better. And then you see OG gets subbed out. Gary Trent comes in. And then Tyrese Maxey absolutely lights the team on fire. Um, we can talk about Gary Trent in the ugly section later. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what the Sixers were able to do. They came in they, they came in well prepared. And it'll be interesting to see how Nick adjusts from here on out. Again, with Doc Rivers, it's not about – the game plan he sets, it's about the adjustments later in the series if he's <laughs> able to make them. It is it is a long series. It's nice to know that you're starting the next one at 0-0 and, and not down. Uh, where it just felt like the Raptors just kept trying to kick and push and just could not do it. Um, and credit to Tyrese Maxey, who just had a phenomenal third quarter there. And I think you hit on everything. Even with the good that the offense was, there still was some bad and some ugly in it. It's, there was nothing that the Raptors did today that was completely good. Uh, and that's what happens when you lose by 20 points uh, in game one of the playoffs. But I'm with you that that's probably where a lot of the bright spots spots are uh the raptors don't normally shoot this well i mean anytime you if i told you prior to us recording this or prior to the game happening that the raptors would shoot near 50 percent from the floor 40 percent from deep you probably would walk away thinking that was a win so let's get into the reasons why that wasn't and that's the bad here which was the defense what were your thoughts on what you saw from the raptors defensively tonight well in the first half they just weren't locking down on defense at all. They weren't really making it hard for Joel Embiid. The doubles weren't really coming on time. Um, and then I think the, the, the biggest problem for the Raptors were like, they gave up. Let me get this number correctly for you. The, like Philadelphia had 10 offensive rebounds, which is like yeah. unacceptable, right? Philly's a very bad offensive rebounding team. And Philly attacked the glass and the Raptors just let them. Like you're boxing out Joel Embiid down low. I get it again. And these weren't like Joel Embiid had four offensive rebounds, but six are coming from the other team. I don't know how many of those are in the first half, to be honest. Um, right. But again, it wasn't really Joel Embiid killing them on the glass as much. It doesn't as even like have to be the first half. We're Tobias, Harris, Tobias Harris is getting offensive rebounds. James Harden's getting offensive re- rebounds. Danny Green's getting offensive rebounds. Like that's on your other guys to lock up. And like the core of the Raptors defense is all right, get the rebound and then push whoever gets it can push. Right. So you <laughs> saw whether it's Pascal or Precious or whoever, locking up a B down low and then the guards aren't coming down to rebound. And that's also 
I'm going to look at Gary Trent Jr. Like I understand that he's not a big rebounding guard, but you got to at least box out some of these, some of these guards that you're guarding as once the shot goes up. Like you can't be letting like these longer rebounds just like fall into people's laps. And sometimes it wasn't even a longer rebound. There was one in the third quarter there where Harden just like missed a floater. I think it was. And absolutely no one boxed him out. He grabbed the board there and then kicked it out to Maxi, who was in the corner for three. And there you got your defense is scrambling. Maxi's and on hot. That he play, didn't hit that and shot. Specifically on that play, like Harden gets the rebound. You have two down there and then a third help defender comes down. It's like, well, guys, what are you doing? You have Harden trapped on the baseline. You don't need to bring any more help now. <laughs> and that's where the help comes off the man in the corner. I don't know whether it was Chris Boucher or OG. I forget who was in that set, but it was Pascal, someone, and a third. And the man comes off the corner, and Tyrese Maxey has an open three. He's been lights out all game. So what's kind of happening focus-wise, right? And I, I'm I'm with you on that entirely. And just to sort of accentuate your point here or, or add an emphasis to it, the Philadelphia 76ers are the worst offensive rebounding team. They have the lowest offensive rebounding rate in the entire league. The Raptors, meanwhile, have the second best only behind Memphis. This is not a battle that you would expect the Raptors to lose. And quite frankly, the Sixers are a better offense than the Raptors. They have more offensive talent than the Raptors. So if you are losing a possession battle to a team that, for one, is going to live at the line way more than you do, um, they got, what, 10 more free throws on the Raptors this game? And that's not something that is unexpected. What's unexpected is the rebounding. And so, so that was really disheartening to see there. I'm completely with you on that. Now it's time for the ugly. Can I start by saying these injuries? I, I was nervous coming into this game because everyone kept talking about the Raptors injury report being completely clear and clean and like how surprising and weird that was. And I was like, oh, this is giving me bad vibes. We're in for a jinx. And then we, of course, get MB just smacking every single Raptor. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Like, and, and Nick Nick talked about this in his post-game presser too. And I just want to, like, here's the thing. Like, I know, like, when it comes to bigs, and this is whether it was Shaq, whether it was any other big, the one thing that as a big that you need to do is you have to be careful with your arms. Because in this league, always, if you hit somebody with your elbow in the face, because that's, like, if as a big man, it's very easy to hit somebody in the face with an elbow, you're going to get called an offensive foul, some sort of foul. That's the easiest way to that bigs foul out usually is by picking up those type of offensive fouls, which regardless of intent are a fouls. Like you can't do that. You can't just hit somebody in the head, right? Regardless of whether you're bigger than them. Um, unfortunately, that's just how, like that's the basic rules of the game. So MB got called for one headshot the entire game. And that was big. And I don't even, he, he wasn't even really called for the headshot as much. It was just like Scotty had beaten him to the spot and was going through him. And he's like, face planting the guy and smacking him he elbows Kem in the face no okay. call he hits um uh, og across and Kem, can i just say Kem had to walk off the court he came back yeah but he actually he had, had to leave and, was, and he was down for the entire possession when the rap when uh, the sixers went the other way and transitioned there he was down for the entirety of that and when the raptors came back and scored on that possession he was still kind of hobbled and and just trying to find his groove it was four on five the entire time and no call there. And then, of course, OG loses the contact. And it's not even about complaining about the refing. Like, okay, whatever. You Even if Harden and Embiid get whatever free throws they get, whatever. Yes, they're doing a lot of flopping. There's a lot of semantics. Personally, I think if you're seven foot two and that big and that good at basketball, you shouldn't be doing all that. Like, in the third quarter, there was literally a possession where Harden tried to, like, basically bait a jump shot foul on a 
Achua and missed a jumper that led to a Raptors transition. And it's like, what are you doing? You're the well, biggest guy on the court, right? He got one in but the first half them. doing the same thing. <laughs> but even all of that is fine. But you can't let a dude hit people in the face and not call anything. Because then it's just like, you. then you can't play. Then you can't even play the game at that point. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So that was frustrating. Um, and now to actually get to the injuries, like mm. that Scotty injury is brutal. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Luckily, like the x-rays came back did, clean. Yeah. So you have that. But again, that's a really bad ankle sprain. And you know, we don't know what Scotty's history is with that ankle. Like, I don't know if Scotty's had ankle sprain on that ankle before, whether like how like sensitive his foot is. But my the worst part about that injury is when you watch it. So usually when you sprain an ankle by yourself, right, where you just turn yeah. the ankle, like you're landing wrong, it's your yeah. own body weight. So when your body, yeah. like once the ankle turns and you feel the strain, your body automatically reacts. So it fires back. Right? So usually it's like, oh, it just pulled way too far. Right. And now you're going back. In this case, it's an external force, right? It's literally Embiid stepping on it. So when you actually watch the replay, and I know no. it's going to be disgusting, so you can cut past this if you want, skip ahead in the video if you'd like. Can but I? Basically, but basically, you see it. The initial point where it turns, where Embiid's foot is like half on it, you see Scotty wince a little bit. He winces. And then when Embiid closes his entire step, you see Scotty let out a scream because that's where it goes beyond the point where like his body stopped the first turn. And that's why, like, I don't listen, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx or anything. Hopefully he's back as soon as possible, but that does not look like a ankle sprain. That is going to be a small amount of time. Um, hopefully he's like Giannis. Hopefully he's like a LeBron where he just like magics himself back to back to the court. But speaking yikes. of Giannis and LeBron and Scotty being just like them, because I don't want to hear any more about that injury. I'm sorry. We're skipping right by the ugly. Cause we know, we know what was ugly. We saw it. And uh, thankfully, those those x-rays came back negative for both him and for Thad Young as well. Scotty did not look scared at the moment. Scotty, unfortunately, left the game early to assist shy of a triple-double in his playoff debut. 
that is amazing. Awesome stuff. And you saw the, I think the, the thing, the real question with Scotty was like, and the questions really came, it was like Scotty, GTJ, Precious, even Chris Boucher to some extent, because he didn't have much playoff experience, it, like actually playing games. It was like, how are these guys going to look in their first like big, big playoff game where they're playing big minutes? And Scotty came out. And first possession, I was like, oh, it's a little shaky. He gets Danny Green in the post and then completely blows um, a layup off the backboard. Then he comes out next time, just dunks it two hands. And I'm like, all right, he's ready to go. And Scotty looked amazing. He's throwing a no-look pass to the baseline to the cutter for an easy dunk. Um, he basically he's getting guys on his back and, like, not scared of the extra ball pressure on him, keeping his dribble alive. He just looked good all around. He's shooting a jumper in Joel Embiid's face. Like, it was, I think, through contact. Everything just... it was everything you could ask for from a debut for Scotty Barnes, and it is an absolute shame that it ended the way that it did because that looked like it was going to be a twenty point triple double easily for the night. And um, you really hope that the kid comes back from it and he's back for the season. I, I'd like to see him play again in the playoffs because man, did he look special! Um, and it would yeah. be a shame for him to miss out on a playoff run. So I know that we were focusing on the good, the bad, and the ugly in the first half, but to me, the second half was just a continuation of what we saw. There were some good moments with the Raptors kind of fighting back, but nothing that they did in the second half really changed entirely from the the bad that they were giving us in the first. I mean, they they kind of got closer to, to tying up the possession battle with the um, Sixers, but it still just wasn't good enough. And really, that third quarter was entirely the maxi show, and the fourth quarter the game was out of reach. <laughs> like, am I, am I wrong? And just sort of saying that is the recap that we have of that game. So I, I want to ask you, cause I know that there are some Raptor fans that are thinking, Hey, it's just game one. It's a curse. We've been there. We've done that. Let's look forward to game two. But then there are some other Raptor fans that are really worried with what they've seen today. Is there a camp that you fall into and can you give anybody therapy if they're in group two? Uh, I don't like in terms of the actual basketball that was played, like the Raptors are never going to play defense that poorly again in this series. Like, that was just like, like the Sixers had a game plan. They countered a lot of the Raptors' offenses, and the Raptors basically went out there to try and play their own game. And they didn't have the like, whether it's experience or whatnot, they didn't have the live counters defensively to kind of deal with that. And you know they'll look at tape, and I'm sure they'll adjust, and they'll be more focused for game two. Like they were just like defensively, there's no way that the Raptors are going to give up 70 points a half. No, like for the rest of the series. That's not that's not what this team is. It's not what this team has shown. Uh, and it just played up as in talent. Like a lot of the times the Raptors defense was failing them in transition, which is something that they've been very good at, especially in the second half of the season, is shutting down transition with all their size, right? Uh, so I'm not terribly worried about that. I, I, I'd be I'd look good. Like OG and Pascal did not have issues scoring the basketball. Yeah. And OG did look very good, especially in that fourth quarter. He got loose for a little bit. Um, I don't know what happened there in the third quarter with the rotations where OG basically sat for the entire back half of the third. I think the plan for Nick was, you know, try to buy OG some minutes because he's still coming back. Uh, the Raptors looked like they were hot. Fred was hot. and They had it down to like 12 at one point with like a minute or two got left. Close. And it was mm-hmm. like, if you could have it within 12 going in the fourth quarter, then you play OG and Pascal for the stretch run. You try to make a comeback, right? Um, and that math didn't end up working out for him just because of how horrible Gary Trent Jr. was. Uh, they had it down to 12 for a minute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think looking forward, there's no way the Raptors played defense that poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey getting loose like that. Tyrese Maxey is going to be a problem, but I think the Raptors have enough to at least make him not have a 40-point night on them. Uh, and I think the defense on James Harden was fine. James Harden hit a couple step-back threes, but let's be honest, like – 
outside of him taking advantage of the Raptors' poor defense, um, like just helping off their shooters, James Harden wasn't really doing much downhill. Like, yeah, he got the free throw line a bit. He got cheeky with a couple fouls. Um, the Raptors are going to clean that up. Most likely there's a couple lazy reach-ins, mm-hmm. but you clean that up. I don't think James Harden was, I don't think James Harden either proved or disproved his ability to be able to kind of take over the game tonight. Okay. Um, like if that step back three is hitting for a couple more games, all right, maybe we'll see. But I think there's a lot of hope for the Raptors in that sense. The part where it kind of kills the Raptors. And this is the thing is these injuries because realistically the Raptors are going to need one of Scotty or Thad available just to have enough bodies both. to to pull off. I don't even think they need both. Like I realistically do. they do need both. Like ideally you want both, but for the team that they have, because they have OG back now. Right. So OG is a very capable and very high minute guy. If you have Fred, you have OG, you have Pascal, you have precious. That's four guys who you can run your defense with. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to add that fifth, and that fifth is usually going to be Scotty. If it's not Scotty, then it's going to be Thad. And then you're hoping that Gary Trent Jr. never has that bad of a game ever again. Because, like, regardless of his offense, which was truly horrendous, that was probably the worst defensive game Gary Trent Jr. has put out the entire season, where he was legitimately a pylon. Like, the Raptors don't really have the personnel for Tyrese Maxey, but Gary Trent Jr. was, like, literally unable to do anything against him. Yeah. Where it wasn't even, like, it wasn't even, like, even a little bit of resistance at the point of attack where it's like you have to be way better than that if you're Gary Trent Jr. in this series to, like, be out there on the floor. Um, so, realistically, if those become your six or seven guys you can count on, and then, you know, you're hoping for Chris Boucher not to play as poorly as he did tonight. Chris Boucher, again, some very questionable decisions. Um, he also got screwed with some really bad foul calls, but he did make some very questionable decisions, doubling super late, um, just making bad decisions on the I back feel the like the entire team was very jittery on the defensive end. I think there are certainly people that you can point to. And we talk about a defense is played on a string. You got a couple of guys that are kind of scrapping the bed a little bit on the defensive end. It's just going to ruin it for everybody else. Like that's just kind of how defense is played. The Raptors, I just like the ability to force turnovers and get out and run in transition is just what this team thrives off. That's what you're going to need. If the Raptors are going to win any of these games, it's going to be by getting stops. 29 assists to three turnovers is what is the number that's going to stick out in my head after this game. Well, that was the lowest turnover game in like playoff history, even if you want to like Sure, there were some Philly shenanigans by their scorekeeper. There were certainly some Philly (laughs) shenanigans in there because I like I was I was literally composing a tweet (laughs) being like, can't believe the Raptors only forced one turnover. And as I was doing that, I saw them force another turnover on Harden right underneath the basket. Jack called it a turnover on the broadcast, too. And then I go look at the box score and it says zero turnovers. And I'm like, there should be at least two. what is happening um so but but still regardless of you know whether they're not counting some turnovers or crediting them as blocks or whatever else still the Raptors did not get out and run in transition enough they did not get stops enough and if you're not doing that I just worry about what this team looks like and that's why I think they need both Scotty and I think they need that there as well just as many bodies as possible because it may be it may be a short series as opposed to a long one it's, it's going to be interesting. Again, my whole outlook for this whole series, and this is where like we'll get to hope. Again, the Raptors are the road team. So realistically, you just got to win one. 
first two games of the series. Sixers yeah. are supposed to win those games, right? You just got to win one of them. They had a hot shooting night tonight. They were great tonight. Uh, let's see them do it again, right? It's a long series. If people remember even that seven-game series in 2019, of course, a lot of talent, more talent on both teams that year. But there were like three games that were blowouts. Like Philly blew out the Raptors a couple times. Raptors blew out the Sixers yeah. a couple of times. So in a seven-game series, it matters more on the the cumulative of the games rather than just like an individual game. And That's again, very true. I. I trust the Raptors players not to care. Like they've had bad games this season where they've looked horrendous, especially after breaks. Um, their defense definitely resembled their post all-star game, all-star break defense uh, where they gave up basically 130 a night to some questionable teams. Um, so I do think they'll kind of snap back into it again. I think my only worry is that took them what four games to snap back. Yeah. It took them facing a depleted Nets team to snap back. Yeah. The hope is. And again, like, Today, today was a little weird because you couldn't really tell whether Fred was actually labored by his knee or not. I think he, like, he definitely doesn't look perfect. I think he looks right. Yeah. But he hit a lot of shots. He hit a lot of tough shots, yeah. a couple fading shots. So that's good for him. He was able to get in and into the lane. Had some. He had a nice left-handed finish um, through traffic uh, with him beat on his back. Uh, and I, it, it's tough to tell because, again, he was very passive in the first half after drawing those two fouls. But – if Fred VanVleet is able to play at 80%, I think the Raptors still have a good shot at the series. Um, again, Pascal and OG are now going to be higher usage with Scotty out. Uh, yeah. If we're just going to predict that Scotty's probably going to miss game two. Uh, well, yeah, well, let's do this. Instead of yeah. looking out into the series at large and instead of yeah. you know, focusing at a potential seven games, let's look at game two. What are you expecting to see from game two? Let's put, you know, you may get one of that or Scotty, but probably not having them both ready for game two. Yeah. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to say that's probably going to be available. Like a sprained thumb kind of sucks. You can't grip the ball, especially because it's on a shooting hand. But I'm sure he's going to ice the crap out of it. They'll probably put some needles in it, do some acupuncture, wrap it up with some shoestring. He'll be good to go. He only needs to give him like 10 to 15 minutes. I think what you see is you probably see Precious start. Um, one of Precious or Kem really depends on which one. If I think Nick might go with Kem starting just so he can bring Precious and Boucher off the bench together. Um, and that'll kind of give you a more normal Raptors starting lineup. I don't know if they'll be able to press the same advantages, but you should be seeing more Pascal, more OG kind of operating in the middle of the floor, hopefully. Uh, and Hey, OG with more usage tonight. He looked pretty good. He had he some did. great plays. He was toasting. He got James Harden on those switches and he was destroying James Harden off dribble. And I'm so. not mad at the idea of a more traditional Raptors starting five. We've seen it in the regular season. They they started the two bigs versus the Sixers and that did not work well to start off. And then we saw a smaller starting lineup, the one that the Raptors normally throw out there against the Sixers today, and that did not start off really well. So I kind of like the idea of moving to a more traditional starting five with a big out there so the Raptors don't just look so small. Um, and again, it's just, it's going to come down to can the Raptors by the end of the second quarter be kind of caught up in the game? Um, yeah. cause we know they lost their Embiid minutes today, yeah. which is that's unbelievable. Right. And that's where like your rotations are messed up. Sure. But that's very directly on some of your bench guys, like your bench contributors that are coming in when Embiid's out, that is the entire time for precious Boucher, Gary Trent Jr. to kind of go off. Right. Cause the rim opens up the offensive rebounding chances open up and that just never happened. Um, both times, and they let Tyrese Maxey get loose on the other end. So to lose the Embiid minutes um, both times tonight, that's unacceptable. Um, and I don't think you should – like if, if that's going to happen, the series is going to be pretty quick, but I yeah. don't see that happening again. So game two, I think the Raptors put out a much better performance. I think it's going to be a close game, 
I don't know if the Raptors end up winning it, but it's going to be definitely a closer game going down to the fourth. And then it just comes down to what the execution looks like down, down the stretch. And I'll be honest, as good as Philly is when they're front running and they're ahead, I have major questions about them when it's a close game and they need to execute down low. Because again, Jay, Joel Embiid, even tonight, second half of that game started looking pretty sluggish. Presses were blowing by yeah. him, getting attempts at dunks. Uh, and he started looking sluggish. So let's see how much, because how many minutes did they play again tonight? Like Doc basically played Embiid and Harden as much as he could tonight. Harden played 40 minutes and Embiid played 37, right? So, and that's, you're in a blowout. So <laughs> when we're talking about game two, game three, game four, again, the Raptors' big benefit here is that Harden and Embiid are not known for their longevity playing big minutes. So the heavier those minutes get, the heavier those legs get, that's where the Raptors have their chance to really steal a game. The Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. I, I think Sixers are one of the better teams when they're out in front. They like to celebrate. We'll get the airplane arms from Embiid. They're a great front running team but when they get punched in the mouth I think is is everyone sort of pointed out that's when the wheels fall off very quickly for a team like this and so we just have to wait for the Raptors to make their first punch and I'm hoping that we see that in game two thank you Asit for joining me and thank you everyone for listening to the Raptors playoff post game show brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada don't forget to like subscribe and tell your friends all about it 